0: John chapter 15. (laughs) We've got an interesting uh, passage of scripture before us. This uh, This continues to be the upper room discourse. This is Jesus and his closest disciples. He's giving them instruction. As we closed out chapter 14, Jesus said, get up. Let us go from here. So they are moving and we think they're moving and they're taking the instruction of Jesus at the same time. So they're on their way uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. We're in chapter 15, verse 1. We'll read 17 verses. Uh, The reason that we chose uh, a few more verses to cover is because Jesus is going to set forth the truth. In the first part, and then he's going to reiterate what he spoke in the first part in the second part. So it's not as overwhelming as it looks, but I can assure you there is much here in this uh, wonderful discourse for believers, for disciples. uh, Today, this morning, specifically uh, for the believer, as we get to the final I am statement of Jesus. He's got these I am statements that he makes. He said, I am the light of the world. All these are descriptive. He said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the bread. Remember, Jesus standing at the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. These I am statements are, are really rooted in the Old Testament. When Moses is asking, well, well, okay, Lord, you're sending me. Who do I tell the people that is sending me? Who are you? And the Lord says, I am that I am. So he is, he is the great, transcendent, all-powerful, all-knowing, God, and Jesus is is testifying to his sonship with God. And here he begins this wonderful teaching as this instruction continues. He says, I am the true vine. Now we'll stop there just for a moment. You need to know that this whole idea of the vine goes back to the Old Testament. I'll give you a few references. We're not going to turn there. We really, if we had more time, we could. But you can note these and perhaps look at them later. But all of Ezekiel chapter 15 deals with the vine. Psalm 80 deals with the vine. Hosea talks about the vine. The vine is all through this. And the vine in these references has to do with the children of Israel. It has to do with Israel. Israel in that Old Testament economy was the vine. But if you read these references, you will find out that in every, I'll say almost every case, but I'm pretty sure every case, the vine which is equated to the children of Israel, is always noted as a faithless, fruitless vine. The children of Israel had strayed from God's commands. They had strayed from the Lord. They had incorporated the religion of other peoples in their own religion. And the Lord is not satisfied with them. He raised up prophets like Ezekiel to testify that yes, they were to be a fruitful vine, but no more. They are a faithless, worthless, useless vine. And so what does Jesus say? He says, I'm the true vine. Oh, that word, true. He's the true vine. You say, well, why would he say that to his disciples? Well, He's got his closest followers with him. And I think he's driving the point home that salvation, he's, he's, he's wanting to uh, impress upon his followers that salvation is not to be found in Moses. It's not to be found in the Old Testament law. Those days are gone. The old vine, useless, obsolete, didn't work, faithless, but there's the true vine. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. You need to remember that. Jesus is the true vine. And all of those disciples back then needed to remember that Jesus is the true vine. In a a short while, in fact, in the next day, they're going to see Christ crucified. And they're going to they're run from, from everything that was going on with regard to Jesus being the true sacrifice. And they are going to flee. And in the days ahead, they need to remember that the true vine is not the Old Testament economy. The true vine is Jesus Christ. The truth is grace and mercy through Christ. Salvation through Jesus And I think in saying this, they are not to revert. And then I think, oh, why did Paul write the book of Galatians? Why did he write that letter? Because some were reverting, not the apostles, but others were reverting to the Judaism, to that Old Testament, to the law to be saved. And Jesus is saying, I'm the true vine. I want you to hear that. From now and forever, Jesus Christ is the true vine. He is the life-giving vine. And this is the only I am statement that has a little additional remark made with it. What else does he say? And my father is the vine dresser. I love this. Think about it. Have you... Have you ever seen a situation, let's just, let's just reduce it to people, have you ever seen a situation in which two or three people couldn't get along? All the time, right? All the time. Where you have two or three, whether it's a, whether it's a family unit, or whether it's a business venture, or whether it's a friendship uh, something happens, and you have two or three people. All of a sudden, they used to be good friends. They used to be uh, doing everything together, but no more. And now they can't even yeah you know, they can't even talk to each other. Don't like each other. Well, here's what I want you to see, and we we find it and follow it all the way through this teaching. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in complete and utter, and everlasting agreement. They are together. They are together to save souls. They are together to bring souls through this life and into the next, where we will one day be reunited together in a place called heaven. This is not to be underestimated by any of us, We are not just to overlook this, but Jesus as the true vine. There it is. I am the true vine. We're reading this right out of the sacred scriptures this morning. I am the true vine, says Jesus, and my father is the vine dresser, Meaning the father is the husbandman. The the father is the gardener. I think one translation, I'm not sure which one it is, says that the father is the farmer. That's pretty good. It doesn't capture it all, but uh, I like vine dresser. I like husbandman. I like gardener. So that's that first verse. And this is just, he's just a statement of truth. I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser. will continue. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. So that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Father in heaven, we thank you for these words of your Son our savior and lord we we thank you for the care and the love and the truth that pours into our hearts from the words of jesus and lord we would ask that your word have its effect on our hearts right now that uh, we would receive, that we would be doers of your word and that we would give you all the praise and the glory for this spiritual work that Jesus describes in these verses. So Lord, your blessing be upon us and as we ask for your help in these moments, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So three three points, the closeness, the fruitfulness, and then lastly, if we get to this, the barrenness, uh, the closeness. So I want you to look here as we just go to verse 2. Jesus says, every branch, so the vine, the vine is The part of the foliage that's full of life. And he says that the father is the gardener there in verse 1. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The he there, I think, in a plain reading of the scripture, refers to the father Because the Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. And then he goes on and says, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So right out of the gate, he's talking about two branches, two different branches. There are branches that do not bear fruit. There are branches that do bear fruit. And the Bible tells us right here that those branches that are bearing fruit, the father tends to those branches, meaning he prunes them or he takes them. He prunes them in order for them to bear more fruit. Branches that do not bear fruit, the Bible says he takes away the branches that bear fruit, he what? He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So we see the Father in heaven uh, taking constant care and concern over the vine and specifically the branches. Now in verse three he says, "You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you." So what, what see it appears that he's changing direction a little bit but he's not. Jesus is simply saying to his disciples, what he has just said could be really jarring. You know, it could leave these disciples going, well, what, 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 branch, what branch am I? Am I a fruit-bearing branch? Am I not a fruit-bearing branch? And Jesus, uh, I think, offers some encouragement right here to his disciples. I see them perhaps confused or jarred because of what he says in verse 2. And Jesus comes with, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. I think this speaks of the first point, closeness or connectedness, if that works better for you. He's letting them know they're already clean. They've already heard the word. They've already received the message. They're followers of Jesus. They've heard the gospel. They've received. They are clean. Are they perfect? No. No. Not by any stretch. Are they going to falter? Yes, very shortly. Within 24 hours, they will scatter because of fear. But Jesus says, you are already clean. They've heard the word. They've heard the gospel. They are branches in the vine. He goes on. So this closeness. Before we leave this, how does one become connected to the vine? I think that's a good question. How do you become connected to the vine? Well, it's two things. We don't need to complicate it. It's all through the New Testament. And that is repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. I mean, what's the the message of John? Believe. Believe. Uh, He says this over in the... In chapter 20, he says in verse 31, but these have been written, he's referring to this writing, the works and the words of Jesus, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And here in chapter 15, he's just simply offering this truth that he is the true vine. He's giving this Image of Jesus, the life giving vine, and branches that are attached or connected to him. And the divine intent is that these branches that have been connected, these people, these believers, these disciples that are connected to him through repentance and faith, that they bear fruit. The point of the passage is fruit bearing, it's fruit bearing. I mean, he is. You you can't read uh, this and come away thinking, "Well, he his intent for us is that we're just so many so many logs on a log wagon." Oh, so or so many so many boards in a lumberyard. No, Ezekiel even makes this reference that that we're not saved to be timber. We are to bear fruit. And Jesus says the test of authentic Christianity is that not only are you in that vital union as a branch connected to the vine who is Jesus, but that you are bearing fruit. And that the power, the life comes from the vine to the branch and because of that power, we bear fruit. But first, you have to be connected to the vine, and that connection is through repentance and faith. We call it salvation. We trust Jesus. Well, Jesus says when we trust Him, we're connected to Him. He is the giver of life. Salvation is about Jesus imparting life, and as branches, we receive that life. And that whole process begins with what? Repentance and faith. Believing. That Jesus came to die for sinners like yourself. That Jesus died shedding his blood. That he was buried. That he was buried in an empty tomb. And that he rose from the grave. A borrowed tomb. And that Jesus rose again. And in that, right there it is, verse 3. I feel really compelled to talk about this. Although the main point of the passage is fruit bearing. I mean, in in these verses, I believe eight times he mentions fruit. He mentions bearing fruit, and then he mentions more fruit, and then he mentions much fruit. It's fruit. Jesus is interested in the fruitfulness of believers. And he wants us to know that this should be expected. You should expect it in your life. I should expect it in my life. Those who have repented and believed should expect to bear fruit. And we understand that it's not our doing. It's not by our power that we bear fruit. It's, as, it's only as we are connected to the vine. He is the life giver. And it's, it works out here in nature that, that those nutrients Go up the vine and they give life to the branches. That's the way it is. And so he's talking about fruit bearing. And he says, the necessity of fruit bearing for the believer. And that you only bear fruit as you what? As you're connected to the vine. And here a little bit, he's going he's gonna to mention, use another word. Right here it is in verse 4. Get this word. I love this word. He says, abide in me, abide in me. The word really, it just means dwell, dwell with him. You know, you can go out in nature. You can look at a tree. Do those branches, do they look like they're twisting and squirming and really trying hard to, to rest in that tree trunk? No, they're just, they're just right there. They're just doing what they do. They're connected well, he's saying that we should abide in him. We should depend on him for divine life. We, are, we, we cannot, listen, the Christian life was never intended for you and I to live in our own power. I think that's the point. Jesus said you must be born again. Well, how are you born again? You're born again from heaven. You're born again by the divine power of God. I mean, that was the rationale for Paul's ministry. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, why, Paul? How, I mean, how can you say that you're not ashamed? How will you stick your neck out for God and Jesus and Holy Spirit? How will you stick your neck out time and time again for the church? How will you? How is it that you'll risk your own life, Paul? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's why. It's the power of God. It's, it's God's power to transform lives. We hear the gospel. We repent. We believe. We turn from our former lifestyle. We're oriented in this direction. We hear the gospel. We're convinced of Jesus and who he is, that he is the son of God, and that he's our savior. We turn to him. We repent and we believe we trust him. And if you've never done that, do that. There's only one way of salvation. There's only one way to avoid hell, hell fire, eternal, eternal separation from God, and that is in Jesus. And today you're afforded the opportunity to hear the gospel. It's all about Jesus. It's all about connecting to Jesus, believing in Jesus, trusting Jesus. And then he says in verse four, abide in me. So that tells us we're not here for a short visit. Is that okay? I hope so. We're not here just to say, hi, how are you? Thank you. One day I'll see you. We are here for the long haul. We are in this Christian life. We are connected to Christ for the long haul. We're not here and gone. We are here. We are abiding, we are connected, we are in him. In fact, this is uh, I love Jesus and his teaching And Paul just accentuates the teaching of Jesus. Every time, listen, when you're reading the letters of Paul and you read in him, and he's talking about in Jesus, in Christ, we have this, in Christ, in Christ. That's a phrase Paul uses over and over and over again. What I want you to think when you read in Christ, I want you to think of John 15 verses 1 and following. In Christ. We're abiding in Christ. How do we abide in Christ? We've repented, we've believed, now we're connected, we've received his life, and now we abide in Christ. We abide in his life. We dwell in him. This is our life. He says, abide in me and I in you. Remember a while ago, we talked about the agreement among the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're in perfect agreement. They work in perfect harmony. They will never deviate from one another. They will never pull in separate directions. They're always pulling in the same direction. Well, listen, when we repent and believe, we're now on their team. We're now doing what they want us to do. We are in agreement with them. It's beautiful. Right there it is. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch, here it is, cannot, that's not a may not, that's a cannot, bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. There has to be spiritual life to bear fruit as a believer. And that spiritual life comes from being connected to Jesus, who is the life giver he says so neither can you unless you abide in me. So we've talked about the closeness that that introduction to the life of Jesus through repentance and faith. Now the fruitfulness. The fruitfulness. I want you to think about this today. This is a great time for self-examination. Now what branch are we? Are we bearing fruit? And, and again, this fruit bearing is not according to our strength. It's not according to man's wisdom. But this is spiritual fruit that he's talking about. He says, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. There has to be that abiding, that dwelling in Christ. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Here again, verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears, here it is, much fruit. For apart from me, here it is, you can do nothing. Meaning, apart from Christ, apart from that connection that we have with Christ who is our life, we cannot bear fruit. We cannot bear spiritual fruit apart from him. Now we'll get to what is that fruit? What's that fruit look like? How, do you, how can you tell if you're bearing fruit or not? But for now, our fruit bearing is intricately attached to Jesus who is the life giver. He gives spiritual life to those branches, those disciples who are abiding in him. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me. So abiding is another big word in this passage. It means to dwell. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So there's really, there's really two different ways of life here. There's the fruit bearing life, that life that is connected to Jesus, that life that is trusted Christ. And then there's that life that, listen, it could be that apparently they're connected to Jesus, but they're not connected. Maybe it looks like they're connected to Jesus. Maybe they do religious things. Maybe they maybe every now and then they say the name of Jesus or they say the name of God. But he is talking about abiding. He's talking about a vital union. And he says if there's no abiding, if there's not a, a vital union with Christ, he says, This one, this is a useless branch. This branch is not going to bear fruit because it doesn't have the life of the vine flowing through it. So he says, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So let's let's take verse 7. And let's say verse 7 signals that Jesus is talking about what it means to abide in him and what that spiritual fruit looks like. What is the spiritual fruit? There's been a lot of, you know, some people say, well, the spiritual fruit is new convert. So the spiritual fruit is love or whatever. But truly... The spiritual fruit is whatever that life of Jesus produces in the branch, which could be, and I think is, the sum total of your Christian life. Spiritual, don't narrow, don't make it so narrow. Spiritual fruit is spiritual fruit. Uh, over in Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He starts out with love, joy, peace. Well, that's spiritual fruit. I mean, how many of us live in love, joy, and peace on our own? I can tell you right now, if it were up to me and my own devices, I would not live in love, joy, and peace. Right now, I'd probably be pulling the rest of my hair out. Wondering, what we what are we going to do here? My, 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 my question would be, what are we doing? There's only one way to manifest the fruit of the spirit and that is through the the true vine and to be connected to the vine and to receive the life of the vine. And make no mistake, Jesus Christ is the life and he gives the power. He gives that life to those who believe in him. So we would expect that if we're we're believers in Christ, Having been, we're connected to Christ. We're abiding in Christ. We should expect to see love, joy, and peace in our lives on a regular basis. And then we should expect to see, that's just the first three, patience. Yeah, this past Thursday, I went to the dock and I realized I might need a little more patience. I even had my shoe with me, you know, I had my shoe with me. I had a shoe and a sock. And they had the, uh, still had the wherewithal to tell me, you know, you might need to slow down on that. They told me I could wear either one out of the office. And I thought about making a statement and chucking the boot just right in the trash can as I left. But I didn't, I wouldn't have been wise. Listen, the fruit of the Spirit comes from being connected to the vine because we don't manifest those things Naturally. If it's up to you, apart from him, we can do nothing. Patience out the window. Right? But with Christ and receiving his life, we expect spiritual fruit because that's exactly what Jesus says. You're connected to him. You can expect spiritual fruit in your life. And here he relates it to prayer again. If, if, if you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Which means that we ask in accordance to the character and the nature and the will of Jesus. Because what? We want what he wants. And well, that's what he told us over here in verse 13 of chapter 14. Whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name. That's the in my name part. That means we ask according to his character, his nature. That he says, will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. Here he mentions the same thing. My words, you abide in me. My words abide in you. So what's he telling us? Hey, we're going to be praying people. You know, what's it look like to abide in the vine? It looks like we're praying. We're praying, folks. Why wouldn't we pray? Why wouldn't we bring our petitions to God? Why wouldn't we just tarry with the Lord? Well, I know because we're busy. Well, sometimes, you know, you tell me, you can answer this. Should should it be that we're so busy or should it be that we think, oh, I'm abiding in Christ. I'm abiding in him. I'm going to spend a little time here in prayer. I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. Well, we're praying people. That's the fruit. That's spiritual fruit, is it not? Oh, before we forget this, I got to go, I I got to mention this. This is way back in verse two. Look at this. He, the last part of verse, he prunes it so that they may bear more fruit. That's the thing. Remember the father's the gardener? Okay. So, I really felt I was convicted over this because a lot of times I will, and I will say this: I will say, you know, we persevere through trials, and we know that it does what? It strengthens our faith, and that, that's true. And I think faith being strengthened—that's a spiritual fruit. But Jesus says that we're pruned, we're cut back. That's what pruning is. In fact, people that grow grapes, they say the second year, you really cut them back. I mean, don't just cut them back. You know, really cut them back. And then they'll really flourish. But that's what the father does. You ever been pruned? You know, what? I mean, you know, how am I going to be any use to you now, Lord? Lord? Oh, he's not thinking about the short run. He's thinking about you're going to be more useful down the road because you're going to bear more fruit down the road because you are being pruned. That's how interested the father and the son are in your fruit bearing. Very interested and involved in you and I bearing fruit because what? There it is in verse eight, the answer, because my father is glorified by this. Jesus says, when you bear fruit, who's glorified. It's not you and I, because everybody knows we cannot conjure up. We cannot manufacture love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, Self-control, we can't do that on a regular basis, not in and of our own humanity. We cannot do it. We fall short. But as we're connected to the vine, and the life of the vine is imparted to the branch, there is evidence of spiritual fruit. And just when you see that spiritual fruit, and you are excited about that spiritual fruit, you, you will be pruned. You will be cut back from time to time. And don't think for a minute, well, it's all age thing. Well, I've been saved for 50 years, therefore, you know, all that pruning took place in the first 10 years, and now I'm sure I'm beyond pruning. Yeah you know, anybody? I know people that live like this. I'm beyond pruning. All that was back then. Uh, don't blink. Because the Lord ain't through with you. He wants to see more fruit. My father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. There, that's where he wants to go with you. He wants you bearing much fruit. And so prove, and that is the best translation there. So prove to be my disciples. There it is. What is the evidence that you are a disciple of Christ? Jesus said, it's his words, not mine. That you bear fruit, more fruit and much fruit. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you, abide in my love. I love that that emphasis on the love of Christ as we abide. And now I'm just gonna, I wanna, Wind down right here. I want to give you the outline that I have. The subpoints We talked about the closeness, the connectedness to the vine as the branch, as a disciple of Jesus. Through what? Repentance and faith in Christ. The fruitfulness is second. How are we fruitful? According to Jesus... The, these are the ways that we grow in Christ, become fruitful. Through abiding, and then as we abide in Christ, is the what? Fruit bearing. Abiding, then fruit bearing. Then pruning. Then pruning. Don't leave pruning out. Make that a part of the way you view your life in Christ. And then number six. After the pruning, more fruit bearing. Number seven. Pruning. Oh, you're not going to stop with more fruit bearing. There's more pruning to happen after that. Number eight, much fruit. So abiding leads to fruit bearing, leads to pruning, leads to more fruit bearing, leads to more pruning, leads to much fruit, which leads to more pruning. But we'll just stop there. Just do it all, repeat, right? Bear fruit and repeat. What is the fruit? Obedience to Christ. Verse 7 the last part, and it will, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So obedience in prayer. And then 10, the first part of verse 10, this is also obedience. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So obedience evidently is a signal and evidence that you are abiding. The second uh, fruit that I want to put forth is love. Just as I, this is verse 10, last part, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. He wants us to abide in his love. Over in chapter 13, he said, a new commandment, I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another that's chapter 13, verse 34. So obedience and love. Prayer, we mentioned that. That you'll be steady in prayer. And then verse 11, joy. Joy. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. That's, that's some powerful joy. And that your joy may be made full. Joy does not depend on your circumstances. Happiness may depend on what happens, but not joy. You can bubble up with joy on the inside, knowing that your destiny is secure in Christ, that you have heaven as your home and that you have all the spiritual resources that God affords disciples from here to glory. Joy. 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 That no matter what happens in my life, no matter what circumstances I face, Jesus Christ is my Savior and Jesus Christ will see me through. There's joy in that. And finally, witness down there in verse 27. We didn't get there. Aren't you glad? And you will testify. There it is. And you will testify also. Because you have been with me from the beginning, verse 27, you'll have a testimony, so you're a witness. So the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of a life connected to Jesus, obedience, love, prayer, joy, witness, all of these things. Are you bearing? Listen, I'm asking you a very serious question Are you bearing fruit? as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, or, I want to ask this very gently, are you dead wood? Because that's ultimately what matters. It matters to God and Christ, or he wouldn't have written it here. Think about that, and pray over that, Father in heaven. We thank you for this day, We thank you for your word. God, impress this word upon our hearts and encourage us by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand and turn to 313? 313. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow.